Well, you're welcome again to Travel First. And when I say welcome, we've got Chris Coleman in the background, but behind Chris, I think he's reverted to childhood. No, maybe baby years. Why have we got all these nappies behind you, Chris? I mean, this is ridiculous. You're on a cruise in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere and, and you've got this store of nappies that would do Kmart or Target proud. This is where we can now see that you're not a cruise person, Alex, because what we have behind me is, is what they do. They do towel art for you in your room. And every couple of days towel on a long art. cruise like this, yeah, you, you come back in and every couple of days uh, you, you, you'll have towels folded up into, for instance, a chicken or a cat, <laughs> or a God. mouse, uh, or a hippopotamus, or in that case, it's an unidentified sea creature. I think it's a lobster, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. I'm not a great expert of, of towel art. They've but, got far uh, too much time on their hands. That's what it says. Very, very – no, it's, it's a nice it's, touch. It's, <laughs> that goes very nicely with keeping the Keeping them as a menagerie, yes. Yeah, it goes very <laughs> nicely with the shirt you were wearing in the last episode of Travel First. I like it. Now – you have been, you've, you've stopped off at Morea, and I, I'm aware, I was aware prior to you mentioning this to me, of Morea, but I know nothing about it having not been there. So perhaps you can give us a, a little bit of a pen portrait. Look, we can talk about Morea today, uh, and on a future edition we'll talk about Papaiti and Tahiti. Uh, they're two of the three destination islands in in French Polynesia. Uh, now, French Polynesia, it's a collectivity of France. They took over the 121 islands in 1842. There's a population spread across 75 of those islands of about 300,000 people. Uh, and like I said, you've got three popular destination islands. So there's Morea, there's Bora Bora, and there's uh, Papaiti uh, with the city on the island of Tahiti. We were meant How to go to Bora Bora. How far apart are they, Chris? Uh, how far apart uh, one from well, the other? Bora Bora's quite away, for like sort of 30 or 40 k's away. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, Tahiti and uh, and Morea are in, you can actually see from one to the other. So oh, okay. uh, it's about 30 k's uh, to, to, to travel by sea. Uh, it was an overnight trip for us from Morea to Tahiti um, at a very, very slow rate. And I suspect we'd actually docked several hours in Tahiti before anyone was allowed off the ship, but I was sleeping because it was dark. So there you go. <laughs> okay. But today we're going to focus on, no, today we're going to focus on Maria. And as I said, it is one of the three popular destination islands in, in French Polynesia. And it is pronounced by the locals as Moorea, but it's a lot easier for uh, those of us not of Polynesian uh, descent to say Maria, And that's what we're going to go with. Now, it's, it's not a large island, about 16,000 people on an island that's, say, 65 kilometres around, uh, and at its widest point, say, 10 miles, 16 kilometres across, but it is dominated by steep peaks. Mount uh, Tohaya is the tallest at 1,207 metres. There are several others above 800 metres, Mount Rotui at 899, Mount Maoroa at 880, Mount Maoputa at 830, and yes, I've been practising. And the other thing about the island is it is absolutely stunning. Uh, and, okay, now, uh, now hang on. Hang there on. Is scenery Let's pause here. for a moment. The, the Let's pause. How many, how many yes. hours did you have on Morea? Morea, we actually arrived uh, early one morning. We stayed, uh, we moored early in the morning. We stayed overnight and left late in the afternoon the very Good. next day. Okay, so that's what I, that's plenty, what I suspected. Uh, plenty of time. So, so plenty of time. So why, I mean, 1,200, 1200 metres or 1,200 feet, did you say, the tallest of these mountains? No, no, 
1,200 metres is, is the tallest of the mountains. 1,200 metres, okay. And so 1,200 metres. Well, Chris, come on. You had all day. You, you're now going to tell me you climbed to the top of the mountain with your wife, aren't you? That's the very least you could tell uh, no. us. No, yeah, one does on, not on. climb the mountains We're, in Moraya. <laughs> one does not. And is there a reason one does not? Because, I mean, I, I tell you, while you've been away, there's been a remarkable feat by a young Aussie. I'm not sure whether you've heard this or not, but he has done... 47 days in a row, he ran 100 kilometres. So he run, ran more than two marathons a day. Steve Modigetti was in awe of what this guy has done. He's being touted as a future Australian of the year. So for you to climb some 1,200 metres up and back, piece of cake. Why didn't you do it? Yeah, no, it wasn't going to happen. It was never going to happen. And no, they, they, they don't even offer that to you as a tourist option. So oh, we'll, we'll just Live move on. dangerously. At this point, That's we? what but, it's all about, eh? Come on. You know, I want a story out of this trip. Well, it looks look, good. I, I know you're By the way, is that, is, that, is that what I'm seeing, that, that 1,200-metre mountain or not? In the background here, no. That's one. That's one of the. That is one of the smaller ones. In fact, oh, what you're looking okay? at there, to the left, to, to the left of that uh, of that peak, is uh, Opanohu Bay. That's where we were moored. You can't see our ship because it's behind uh, the, the the very prominent peak. And then on the right of the screen is Cooks Bay. Uh, so they run parallel to each other, coming in from the island's north coast. Cooks Bay too was used as one of the filming locations for both Marlon Brando's Mutiny on the Bounty in the 1960s, which I'm sure you've seen, and mm-hmm. Mel Gibson's The Bounty in the 1980s. Ah. Now, little, little, side, little side story, after Marlon Brando came out to film Mutiny on the Bounty, he fell in love with the area, signed a 99-year lease on two other islands in the group, and after he died, his estate established a resort there. It is insanely expensive. I had a look at the prices, and they were between, in US dollars, three and 5000 a night for one of the smaller Come rooms. Come on, you're a wealthy and the only man. Way to get- you can afford, you know, take a 10-day little sojourn there, a side trip, Chris. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the problem is the only way to get there is by the resort's private airline and the air tickets are extra <laughs> okay. on top. So, so oh, that was the deal breaker. That was the deal breaker. We tried, yeah. we yeah. tried, yeah, fair now- enough. We tried, we tried, and I tried. I wrote to them to see if um, if they were uh, able to do anything, and, and all I got was, "Are you talking to me?" Anyway, um, the cruise ships have been absent from Moorea, as with much of the world, for a couple of years, uh, and we were told that Ovation of the Seas, which is the trip uh, that the boat we're sailing on, was the second ship to arrive since the cruise industry restarted. We moored in the western of those two bays in Opanohu Bay, and as we came aboard. It is just an assault to the senses in a nice way. The, st- the scenery is stunning everywhere you look, and the locals were delighted to see the cruise ships back because it's a regular stopping off point for trans-Pacific cruise ships as they make their way from Hawaii to the to the, to the Southern Pacific and also vice versa. So they were delighted to have the cruise ships What's back. What's there to buy there, um, Chris? When when you wandered around, I mean, you know, you you've got a, a, a really ugly shirt from Hawaii. So what, what what did you what did you get here? I mean, you know, were there grass skirts or something? I've got no idea, but I I need to know what what's the delicacy, uh, or not even in food, but in terms of clothing or retail outlets. What what did you do? Uh, we went to the distillery, uh, the Manitoba ah, Distillery, which makes right. makes a very nice rum, a very very oh, nice, nice rum, okay. and, and a couple of very nice liqueurs as well. So mm-hmm. now I, I must stress something here for people who aren't aware. When you're on a cruise ship, if you go ashore and you pick up alcohol on the crew, off the cruise ship, when you come back on, on board, 
they will take it off you. You can't bring the alcohol on board to drink on the ship. They'll take it off you and then you'll get it back on your last night before you go ashore at the end of your cruise and you have to factor that into your duty-free allowance as well. So but be aware the, the of allowance that. Isn't so all if you that, stop somewhere you, like... Yeah, the allowance isn't all that grand, yeah, is no. it? I mean, I, I'm a non-drinker, so it doesn't worry me at all, and I know when I've gone overseas, I've I, I bought my limit you know, to give to other people. But what, what is the limit now, do you know? The limit these days is uh, 2.25 litres per person. Okay. And it doesn't matter whether that is litres of beer, litres of wine, litres of spirits. You can, mm-hmm. the, the, they do tend to let you pull that allowance if you've got two people, if you're a couple, to four and a half litres, uh, which uh, is, is respectable. Compared to New Zealand, uh, though, in New Zealand, I believe it is uh, three litres and 30 cans of beer or something along those lines. It is considerably larger. It varies but, but from hang country on, one to country. One of the things you said to uh, me, and- one of the things that you mentioned to me at the very, when, when we were sort of preparing for this trip is that, it's no longer, for example, if you're going to buy duty-free in Australia, it, it's not much different to buying at, say, Dan Murphy's or any of the other outlets. No, so, it's not. I mean, if, uh, that, if that's the case, Chris, then surely you're better off doing what you've done and buying something on an island that you won't be able to get here in Australia so at least you've got some sense of the exotic. Also depends where you're shopping, Alex, because on board the ship, funnily enough, they also have uh, duty-free stores, and the the goods they sell there range from your regulation, say, I'm I'm a bourbon drinker. They they have Jim Beam, white-label bourbon. You can get two one-litre bottles of that for $50 American, which is about 75 Australian at the current exchange rate, which is probably about half the price you would wind up paying, or maybe, maybe a bit less. Uh, so maybe a bit more than half, but it's a considerable saving on what you'll pay at an Australian bottle shop. The savings right, okay. aren't as great on the high-end liquor items, on the on, on the, on the mm-hmm. top shelf, like the very top shelf, uh, scotch whiskies and bourbons and tequilas that they sell. But you need to know There's your still pricing. savings That's, on many of what, them. What you're saying to me oh, yeah. is you need to know your prices before you go. I mean, you know, it's interesting because the, the Aussie dollar, as we're speaking today, it's below 63 cents against US. So, in fact, it's probably even more of a saving, right? It's 62 point something. So this is the lowest it's been for a long, long time. Yeah, before so, we left, you know, it was down you know below 60 pricing. cents, so it's um, yeah, turned around. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So so talk to me a little uh, bit more about Maria. What else did you want to say to, to, to the viewers and the listeners? Well, if, you, if you're looking to head around the island, the easiest way to see the island is to take a guided tour around the coast road. Now, uh, again, when cruise ships pull in, and cruise ships are one of the, the easiest ways, the, the most likely way you're going to turn up at Morea. Uh Your cruise ship company and Royal Caribbean did have plenty of tours around uh, to do the guided tour around the coast. Uh, there are also the locals offer tours in small air-conditioned buses and vehicles. They cost, roughly speaking, 50 bucks US. Uh, and they will divert to a couple of places. So, a short sorry, everything is US. The, the... Everything's US, is it? I mean, that, like you, you quoted everything in US dollars. I, I understand. I mean, when you're travelling, that's quite common, but they're not quoting you Aussie dollars. Is that right? The cruise ship currency is the US dollar, so it's a lot easier for us to deal oh, in the US dollar. And even though we were told by several people before we went to Morea, and before we went to Tahiti, that the locals would accept Australian dollars, they didn't. 
and oh. that meant that the credit card got a little bit more of a workout in some places because I didn't have a lot of US dollars cash. I had had a bit of Australian currency. Funnily enough, I still have a bit of Australian uh, Australian yeah. currency, but I have. Uh, hang on, I can I can tell you exactly how much US currency I've got left. Because <laughs> no, no, in the palm of my ask... hand, it's <laughs> about twenty five cents. Right. What I was going to say to you, I'm not sure whether you're familiar with this, but there's been quite some controversy over the last few days here in Australia about the fact that if you use, this is in the United States, if you use ATMs, the you, you're up for a lot of money in terms of taking US dollars out. So you're far better off getting, I'm not sure what it's called, but a travel card, sticking a US dollars on there mm. and gradually letting that go down. So did you make the wrong choices? I mean, are you saying to me that you were obviously informed one way and it's turned out to be another? Should you have put more money onto a credit card or a travel card or what would you recommend people do? Would have been more handy to have a little bit more cash uh, in, in, in terms of American dollars. Cash, okay. Uh, again, could have loaded... Yeah, could have loaded some of that up onto uh, as a Qantas frequent flyer. The, uh, you can get a Qantas money card, and they will load mm-hmm. that up for you. You can get money cards at your post office as well. The credit card has been very well accepted. There are surcharges. There's a couple of percent surcharge. Uh, I know that with one of the banks, or let me rephrase that, I'm fairly certain that there is at least one of the banks, not necessarily one of the big fours, but one of the banks that if you have several accounts with them and you go to an overseas ATM, they will cover the fees. The best advice I would give is say to your bank, I'm going overseas. I would like you to actually tell me what I'm going to be up for. And they will give you the best advice because it will vary widely from bank to bank and even from time to time, I would suspect. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you another question. These are a couple of issues to do with travel that have come up in Australia over the last few days. The the other sure. one is t- tipping. Okay, so I know we've talked about that in the past, but it's in in the United States. There's an expectation, right? That that in fact they put it onto the bill. Yep. You don't you don't have a choice. That started happening in Australia. I'm not sure whether you're aware of that. If you go to a restaurant and some restaurants mm. are now putting ten or fifteen percent onto the bill, you don't have a choice. You don't. You know, and and being Aussies, we we're not used to it, and there's been a bit of, bit of pushback. So, when you have a meal on board the ship because you've bought a package and you've upgraded, you said that to me at some point. You you know better meals and so forth. Now, I presume there's only an expectation at the end of the cruise that you give the kitchen and everybody associated with it a tip. You, surely you're not going to be tipping every single time. Otherwise, you know, you're up for a lot of money. Tell me whether I'm right or wrong. I tell you what I would do, and I will do this on the next segment because I'll need to dive mm-hmm. into the safe to pull out some receipts, that uh, many mm-hmm. things on board the cruise ship actually have an 18% gratuity built in to the price tag wow. automatically. So it's not added on top. Wow. It's built into the price. So that is Gee, just assumed. Whiz. Having said that, if you go and that, 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 but that, the thing is, say something costs, say a meal at the steakhouse costs you sixty five dollars US. That is sixty five, including the eighteen percent gratuity. Yeah. Now, if you particular that that thing gets shared amongst all the staff in that in, in, in that in that area of the ship, if you particularly mm-hmm. wish to tip your your server, you can go if they've given if they've gone above and beyond, you can then add another amount on top as a tip. 
And yes, on some occasions on board the ship, we have certainly experienced service that has been above and beyond. And so as a result, we have, we have tipped uh, an additional amount. But, but uh, Chris, I- I'm still unclear on this then. So if, if a, a stake is 65 bucks and it includes the 18%, when, yes. if, if you ask, if you see a menu, does it say 65 bucks or does it give you yes. the figure less? Oh, it does. Okay, so you know up no, front. It says that- $65. Yeah. On board the ship, they're upfront about that, that the, that the price, it's the same with the drinks. If you have a cocktail by the pool, it is, okay. say, $13 inclusive of the 18% gratuity. But if you wish to tip right. over that, that amount, again, you okay. can tip so, over that so, amount. So I'm, I'm wrong then in saying that at the end of the cruise, if you add some figures, that, that, that would – I suppose if you added something at the end of the cruise, that would be split amongst the kitchen hands. Is that right? Or the, the, the people who serve? Uh, if you wish to – and now every room on a cruise ship has a stateroom attendant who, who comes in and cleans your room on, on a daily basis mm-hmm. and tidies things up and put, gives you the new towels, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is somewhat of a tradition to pop some money in an envelope and leave it for uh, your cabin room attendant at the end of the cruise. That uh, amount of that will, will vary depending on how much you wish to give them. The Again, on Royal Caribbean, they, they do – they say – Gratuities are included, but again, if you wish to tip for exceptional service, then you can do so. Do you Something think there's an I expectation, say, though, Chris? Did you think that? I mean, I, well, I, I, I ask this quite seriously. Is there an expectation? Because you know, it's almost like okay, you're loading something by eighteen percent. Let's make it easy. Let's say twenty percent. So everything's loaded by twenty percent anyway. And yet, I get the impression that there most people would expect, like the, the room attendant or whatever, that you would give above that. Is that true or not? Bear in mind, many of the people who work on board cruise ships are young, especially those people who work in, mm-hmm. in, in the in, in the room in the room service area. They are young. They may have families uh, at home in uh, less well-to-do countries, and they are away from home for a very long time. I'm talking some of these people will be away from home for six, eight, ten months at a time, travelling the world on cruise ships, uh, seeing to the beck and call of everybody. Uh I think they probably deserve a little bit extra over and above that you determine okay. uh, on their level of service. So, so in other words, all I'm uh, saying having is... having said that... Yeah, you don't have to, I understand. But, but, I mean, the point I'm making here is that you've got to allow for that in terms of the cost of a cruise, right? Or whether it's the cost of a cruise or if you're going to America or going to these places that there's an expectation and you need to build that into your budget. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't say there's anything wrong with it, but if if, you know... You go along expecting the figure that you originally thought to be all you're paying. That's not true for the vast majority of us. Look, you'd need to factor it into your spending money. And I think Australia is one of the few countries in the world where tipping isn't a regular occurrence. New Zealand is similar. But in Mm. many other countries around the world, tipping is de rigueur. Um, I I don't think Australia necessarily needs to go into into tipping as a regular thing because uh, we pay our hospitality staff a living wage. But again, if service is particularly good, uh, I'll tip Mm. and I'll do that in Australia. If service is particularly good when I'm in the United States or other places, I will tip more. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. The only other conversation point that for now that I'd like to raise with you is what's been going on and Qantas has been singled out here, but I don't think they're Robinson Crusoe. The cost of airfares, and look, they've lost billions, let's be honest, during COVID. But 
it's seen as price gouging at the moment. And if you at short notice want to go business class to London and places like that, you can be paying upwards of, and there have been radio reports in the last few days, $20,000, Chris. I mean, wow. Yep. Like, wow. I'm staggered when I hear some of these figures. And I understand they're trying to recoup a lot of these lost earnings and, and so on. I mean, Qantas has really been battered, but they've also, in terms of customer service and, you know, what's gone wrong and baggage handlers and so forth, uh, in, I think it's been a PR disaster over the last six months. I think it's been shocking. So, you know, <laughs> this isn't going to win them friends or influence people by charging these amounts of money, but that's been hugely talked about in Australia. So what's your well, view? When we get back to Sydney, I've got to get back to Canberra, and I can tell you that we had uh, we, we had a number of things that were, pardon the pun, up in the air about what was going to happen after we arrived in Sydney before we had to return to Canberra. When that all finally settled in place, we thought, okay, we'll fly back from Sydney to Canberra. Mm-hmm. Very little change out of $450 for what does it normally cost? individual economy class ticket. Wow. In, in days gone by, cost? tickets are about, about 100 bucks. Uh, you know, So to get $400-plus mm. for a ticket uh, was a little shock to the system, but so do you think that's uh, in fair, the end it was a given, decision we given, had to make. Do you think that's fair given what they've gone <laughs> through or do you think it's price gouging? I mean, you know, it's a serious question because I, I, I fully, you know, we want Qantas to exist. Please don't get me wrong. I, you know, I, I love, I've loved the airline and I've used the airline a lot. We've both got Qantas cards. You know, I think it's great. But, boy, oh, boy, for people who've done it tough, it's not just Qantas that's done it tough. A lot of other people have done it tough too. I, I reckon they're stretching friendships and also really not – it's almost like, you know, when customers complain, they push back on the complaints or say, well, you know, that's not the, the you know, customer should be more this, more that. That's not the way that I would have handled the situation going back over the past few months. I don't think they've won a lot of friends and influenced people. I think the st- status of the airline has taken a tumble and I understand mm. why. You know, and I'm, I'm, not out to con- I'm not out to condemn them. I don't, you know, I hope that things improve as time goes on again because I was really proud. I, I, I vividly remember, and I've spoken to you about this on a number of occasions, when I've been, this is going, going back years now, but when I step back onto a Qantas jet and hear the Aussie accent, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And, you know, greeted beautifully and the, the attendants are fantastic, etc. And I, I took great pride and pleasure in getting back on a Qantas jet. That's what I want to get back to where we are proud of our airline, Chris. Yeah, the, the, I think you summed it all up nicely, Alex. The only other thing I'll throw in is that there has been a lot of talk about executive pay levels at Qantas and in some media reporting, and I'm sure it's largely correct, the suggestions have been that it's that the executives have not really suffered much in terms of pay and indeed have even received uh, pay rises. Shareholders, I understand there are shareholders. Shareholders have also still received dividends and the share price has been protected, um, but the employees at, uh, at at the coalface have really copped a beating. There are many of them who've lost their jobs. There's been uh, restructuring of, of, of the corporate uh, of, of the corporate structure to actually uh, reduce the amount of money that's being paid out in wages. Uh, and I think you're right; it has been handled very badly in many ways. 
And I think Qantas is not as highly regarded on an airline globally as it was even five years ago. Yeah, and that that and I'm I'm genuinely hoping we can turn that around as a country and as an airline. And I think it it takes both sides because if there's improvement, I'm sure that people are going to sort of stroke them rather than hit them. And at the moment, and the the baggage was a huge issue. Getting rid of baggage handlers and yep. then hiring outside contractors, and then you know there was a lot of backlash there. And then you heard the cases of people who never got their bags at all or were waiting weeks and weeks. On top of that, you had the passport fiasco, which you spoke about. So there's been all sorts of reasons. Now, I understand when you're restarting something, there's going to be teething problems, but don't blame us. I mean, that, that, that's the thing that to me is wrong. You know, we're trying to do our very best. And, I mean, you know, what more can we as, as mere mortals, as mere travellers do other than to pay our money and have an expectation of a good experience? And when the experience isn't good, well, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get slapped, and that's what's happened. So anyway, let Qantas, you know, let, let's hope for their sake and for us as a country that we can get back to seeing them as one of the great airlines of the world because it will be good for everybody. Gets back to let's, – let's talk a little bit more and finish off now <laughs> with Maria because I know we've deviated, but that's the nature of our conversations. In terms of a – It happens. Would you – would you like? Would you have liked to have spent more time there, or was the sort of several hours that you had there enough to get a bit of a sneak peek? And would you go back? There is accommodation there, and what I'll say is, it's a place to get away from it all. Uh, there, there, are, there are sites to see. For instance, uh, the uh, uh, one of the places we saw the remains of an ancient Tahitian temple, which had uh, candle nut trees growing around it. Candle nuts, by the way, they're great. They're the fruits. The, the green fruits, and you can pick them, you can stick a wick in it, and you can light it and it'll burn for hours like a candle, hence the name uh, candle yeah. nut. There are chickens running wild. Is that what we're seeing at the moment? Is that, is that what we're that, seeing that, here? For those, those on the video, yeah, that, that's a candle nut, and that is actually the the, uh, the ancient Tahitian temple or the remains thereof uh, oh, with the okay. candle nut trees growing in and around it, which is uh, so you can't fabulous. Eat, I mentioned you can't that eat you, them. You can't eat those things. Uh, no, you can't. they're more, I, I, I'm told they're mildly toxic, so I, I wouldn't oh, okay, be trying. Right, no. Uh, just back <laughs> Don't to that. Don't try that at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just back. To, just back to the view that that view that I that uh, that I showed earlier. Yeah. This one here. This is uh, from the Belvedere. That's uh, that's a lookout, uh, and that is that is one of the best views on the island. But there is also um, now that is the Sofitel Resort. So Sofitel has a resort there, and those are overwater bungalows. I'm told they're very popular with honeymooners. Hmm. I don't okay. know why, but they're very popular with honeymooners. Uh, I looked at prices for those. Depending on which island, you can pay a thousand to fifteen hundred uh, per night, and that was in wow. Australian dollars. Uh, but they, uh, uh, the, the, there are resorts with similar facilities on several islands around uh, around uh, the, uh, the the French around French Polynesia. So, I, I, if you're I looking to see the rock for somebody to get away up. from it all, I would recommend it. I, I, I just expect to see Dwayne Johnson somewhere because he, he makes movies in places like this. So I reckon, you know, somehow yeah. expecting to duck around that uh, that tree, that beautiful tree that uh, I, I reckon be found. Oh, okay. Hang on. What have we got here? We've got a, a, tr a very nice looking tree. And, and who, who's this bloke looking decidedly um, concerned looking at his face? He's, What's he's going on He's a tour guide. He's, oh, is he? Okay. So he, he's a tour guide. And he's wearing uh, one, one of, of, one of the things I loved yours. about it now. Yeah, have you have you been to Spain? Have you been to Valencia yes. in Spain, where they have the Valencia orange trees growing down the street? No, the I haven't. Right, no, I've been to Spain, right, but not there. No. no, no, I haven't. Okay, mm -hmm. 
Well, in, in, in Moriah, they have almond trees that are growing almonds oh. in the street. And, uh, and our tour guide actually picked a few up off the ground, smashed them open with a rock, and, and lo and behold, fresh almonds straight off the tree. Absolutely wow. delicious. So, you know. You can take the, taste the, the difference it, 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 from the ones that you buy in packets in supermarkets. Oh yeah, these things are absolutely the the, the, wow. the the freshness is just so much so much stronger flavour, and just to uh-huh. see them growing by the wild, going wild on the roadsides in various places around the island. So is, is was, that a, is delightful. that one of the trees where they grow? Is that right? The, the, is that that orange? That, 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 that is an almond tree. Yeah, with, wow. with, the, with okay. the orange with the orangey plumage. Yeah, that's an almond tree. So, and and oh, they okay. fall off, and when they fall off, they're ripe and they're ready to eat. So there you go. So um, fantastic. Uh, I, and, and as I said, it is. It is. You can look across, and rather f- uh, foolishly, I didn't actually uh, put in a photo of this, but uh, uh, just off to the left of that, you can see on this on on, on the uh, uh, the photo of the resort where the water changes colour. Just off to the left of that picture is where the the island of Tahiti actually starts to come into view. So you can see it across there. Um, and t- to get backwards and forwards, while um, a major sports event with the region, and it used to be they used to show this on Channel 9's Wide Water Sports back in the day, the, the mm. canoe race between Morea and Tahiti. It's about a <laughs> oh, wow. it, it, it's a decent old uh, canoe race. Uh, mm. For the locals, it's much more comfortable. They have fast ferries, which you go backwards and forwards. If you're in the area in a rental car, you can take the car on the ferry. Depending on which one, they have ferries that take between 30 and 50 minutes. Uh, they also have flights, little island hopper flights that take about 10 minutes uh, that run every mm-hmm. da- every hour or so during daylight. So uh, you, you can fly backwards and forwards as well. I would recommend Morea if you want to get away from it all and you're quite content to just sit there in a resort looking at magnificent scenery. You can spend a week here, week here no problem. If you're more like mm. me, you probably spent a couple of days here, you'd then want to go across to, to Papaiti and then maybe go to Bora Bora for a few nights and make it a real a, a real experience. And in the next time we talk, Alex, we will talk about Papaiti, the city, and Tahiti Island as well. Oh, that's terrific. Chris, it's been a pleasure speaking to you about all sorts of things and continue to enjoy your 19 days at sea and we'll hear more from Chris Coleman and co on the next edition of Travel First. You've been listening to Travel First. Available at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio or your favourite podcast player. You can also stream on demand at Bytes.com. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.